Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall. I'm director of programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. We're a nonprofit in Western PA whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. Today's guest is Diana Mahalchik. She is not a veteran, but does come from a military family. She is the program manager with tobacco-free Adagio Health. Uh, you may have heard me mention them multiple times throughout uh, the Scuttlebutt series as one of our biggest sponsors. We're so thankful for them uh, to be sponsoring not only the but, but VBC programs at large. Um, Diana's joining me uh, at about a year after her last episode with us to update us on what's going on with tobacco-free Adagio Health. Uh, they are dedicated to reducing and preventing tobacco use and to getting the word out about the hazards of smoking and secondhand smoke. They are all about health, so they want people to quit. Um, they have classes, they have nicotine replacement therapy, and they have a popular quit line, 1-800-QUIT-NOW, which will get into all of those things. They educate people, as you will see in this Scuttlebutt episode. Uh, children especially Especially. They, they definitely educate children as well as adults about tobacco use from cigarettes, cigars, pipes, chew snuff, and vaping. We get into vaping in this because in our, our first meeting uh, with Diana, we talked a bit about vaping and how dangerous it really is. So I wanted to dive into that a little bit further with her this time. And finally, Tobacco Free Adagio Health advocates for public and private policies that ensure healthy places to live, work, and play. You can find out all about them at tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org. Or if you're a smoker and would like to quit, you and call that really uh, easy to remember quit line 1-800-QUIT-NOW. I uh, hope that you enjoy this conversation with Diana. She's very well-versed and educated on uh, the uses of tobacco, um, the, the demographics of it, uh, the, the percentages, the ratios, the ingredients of, of tobacco, uh, as you'll see. Um, and uh, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Uh, if you would like to share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes, we would greatly appreciate it. And you can also reach out to me at any time, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org with any thoughts or questions, or if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes, uh, and know that we've been now well over, not we know well over, but we are over 100 episodes now of the scuttlebutt, uh, so we have many more episodes to come, and as an FYI, I'm expecting, uh, my wife and I are expecting our second child uh, in early 2023, so we will have a bit of a hiatus for the scuttlebutt, but we will be back all next year with brand new episodes of the scuttlebutt exploring military culture from a civilian perspective. So thank you again and enjoy the show. Joining us again is Diana Mahalchik from Tobacco Free Adagio Health. Uh, Diana, we're so happy to have Tobacco Free Adagio Health as one of our sponsors. You guys have been sponsoring us for quite a while. Uh, it's really been uh, a wonderful partnership uh, between uh, you guys and, and, and the VBC. Uh, so thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, I want to catch up with you and uh, for an audience who may be joining us because we're over 100 episodes now on the podcast. So people may not have gone back and heard your your previous episode that you joined us on, but I thought maybe you could catch us up on sort of your history. Um, do you have a you know military family and how you started working for Adagio Health? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sean. It's such a pleasure to be back on here with you. So basically, Adagio Health is funded through the Pennsylvania Department of Health to do everything tobacco prevention and control for the Southwest region of Pennsylvania. So all 11 counties, that includes Allegheny County, we oversee. I am the program manager for the Southwest region. And some of the things that we work on are special initiatives that include a, a specific focus on veterans and military families um, using nicotine tobacco products, helping them quit, offering free resources for people that are looking to quit um, and just connecting with that population. My, um, both of my grandfathers both served in the military. Um, 
I definitely come from a veteran's family. My husband is a veteran and, um, you know, it's very near and dear to my heart, especially with a health focus, mentally, physically, all around. Did your grand, uh, your grandfathers, your husband, did they smoke while in the military? So my husband did, and um, both of my grandfathers did short shortly. Mm-hmm. As soon as they they weren't smokers before they started, but it was something about that um, atmosphere. Once they joined, um, they you know were deployed. Uh, one of my grandfathers was down in Panama, and it was just a part of the atmosphere. Um, they had smoke breaks and. It was a way to kind of relieve their stress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we know now, that is not a stress reliever. It actually makes things worse and, you know, speeds up your heart rate, constricts your blood vessels, and is awful for you. But it is used as a coping mechanism even to this day. And our job at Adagio Health is to kind of help people understand healthy stress releases and how to deal with those stressors in a positive way. Why were cigarettes considered? Was it marketing that they were considered to be, uh, to, they, they helped stress? And I know the military, they kind of just handed those things out like candy. So it, it was, was it something in the marketing that people believed, oh, well, this will, that reduces my stress? Absolutely. I mean, there were doctors that would advertise that Camel is the best cigarette to use. And this is obviously before we knew the horrible health effects surrounding cigarette smoke and cigarette usage. Um, But that's really what it was. It, It was targeted to help, you know, calm you down and, you know, relax your nerves, especially among uh, those individuals that are deployed. The smoking rates are far more higher Mm -hmm. with um, deployment than just someone that is back at home working on a military base. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's an addiction. And how it works is it sets off the dopamine in your brain. And, you know, obviously, we can release dopamine naturally with things that we enjoy doing. But what smoking does is it mimics that um, with the nicotine receptors and basically kind of takes over your whole brain, helps you feel relaxed, and it only lasts about 20 minutes. So you kind of start this cycle where you need a little bit more each time to feel that same relaxation, but you have to smoke more and more to get that same feeling and things that would naturally bring you that dopamine aren't as enjoyable anymore. Um, so let me take a step back and how did you start working with uh, Adagio Health and, and how did you get to your current role as, as the program manager? Sure, so I actually started in a mental behavioral health facility and got into prevention work by teaching life skills to sixth, seventh and eighth graders. Super fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, hold on, give me, give me a bit of in-depth on how <laughs> I have a two and a half year old, and yes, that's a world away from sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. But Certainly. I only think about trying to teach her a life skill, and how how did that go? So it was definitely interesting, um, you know, working with that age group mm-hmm. and talking about communication skills, social skills, refusal skills, um, and then tying in drugs and alcohol with that. So. I actually Mm -hmm. fell in love with prevention work, you know, talking to kids because they would open up to me and it wasn't like I was their teacher. I was kind of more on on their level, like, hey, trying to educate more so than scare them about anything. And that's really the approach that I try to take in anything that I do. I want people to have the facts about what they're using or what they're getting into. But it was so much fun just to be with that age group of kids Mm -hmm. and talk about, you know, 
what's going on in their life and what what's the end of the world today <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> but I think the main point that I wanted to drive home with that age group is like, you know, 10, 15 years from now, you are not going to know who you went to school with. You're not going to remember like who was upset with you or what happened. Like you have the rest of the le- of your life ahead of you. And, you know, you need to focus on your future and what you want to do with your life and who you're going to be. So that was so much fun to me just working with youth, but that's where it started. Just falling in love with the prevention world and trying to help people. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do, you know, when I was in college, but I knew I wanted to help people in some way. So that's what led me to tobacco work and having more of a specific focus on tobacco prevention as opposed to the whole prevention umbrella and having that specific focus with nicotine and tobacco usage, um, just different populations that are targeted by big tobacco, helping people quit and doing it in a way where it's not costing them anything. So what are they losing and what are they gaining and weighing those options out with them? It's just, it's, it's definitely a rewarding career. When, when you were growing up, did you ever have sort of the curiosity around smoking? It was a lot more prevalent whenever we were young. Um, I, you know, we had smoking sections in restaurants and you could smoke pretty much wherever you wanted. Everybody had a smoke break, things like that. My stepfather at the time, he, he smoked without filters. Uh, it was kind of disgusting. Um, but I do remember like being a kid and thinking, what are these things and why does he do that? And I remember stealing one and running in the backyard and trying it and be like, oh God, this is terrible. But you go through like, you know, different phases, you go into college and you're like, yeah, I'll try that, you know, but like, uh, did you ever experience that same sort of curiosity? Absolutely. When I was very young, my mother smoked for a period of time. She wasn't a lifelong smoker or anything. She just mm-hmm. kind of picked it up. Um, I think after, you know, a divorce and just being stressed out and again, with the stressors trying to turn to some coping mechanism. So she started smoking for a little bit. And I think she got so much flack from my sisters and myself, and we would hide our cigarettes. And this is when I was really young. But as I became a teenager, and it, like you said, it was very prevalent. Um, You know, you see it in movies, you see it in TV, and people are made out to be the cool one or, you know, um, it's definitely... I was brought up with that vision of it. Like, oh, it's the cool, like mysterious person that that's using these products. I definitely tried it when I was a teenager, um, got in trouble because my neighbor saw me and told my mom, like (laughs) I went through all of that. Um, And then as I became old enough, because it was 18, um, when I turned 18, you could purchase tobacco products then, now it's 21. Mm -hmm. But I did smoke for a period of time, but it was more of a social thing. And thankfully I didn't have that addictive aspect to it where I needed it. It was more like, oh, my friends are doing it. So I'll do it too. But one thing that I can identify with when I'm talking with people and helping them get through their addiction is those triggers. I can tell you that when I stopped, the only time I ever like craved it or wanted it was when I was driving. So it was like something to do. You get in the car, you light up a cigarette. So kind of finding different things to do instead of lighting up a cigarette, popping in a piece of gum or a hard candy or drinking water with a straw or something to that Mm -hmm. effect where you have that hand to mouth um, sensation. True. And I like what you said about the image of that. I do remember a lot of our movies showed like, you know, like I think, you know, a lot of movies with young Brad Pitt, he'd be smoking something and looking very cool and like, yeah, I could look like that. 
Um, but I noticed that in a lot of movies I've been watching nowadays, you see the person smoking and they look sick or they're just not the good person or the image has completely changed with how we represent smoking. And I find it so interesting because that's really like only within the last, what, 20 years maybe that that has kind of shifted. But smoking has been around since the beginning. Like yes. so, as, as soon as humans figured out they could light this thing and, and smoke it, <laughs> they were doing it. Oh my it. gosh, yeah. You know, absolutely. but it, it wasn't until the science of it really caught up and people started to get very smart about, oh, this is killing us that they decided, hey, we need to start shifting this. Let's raise the prices of cigarettes. Let's make it more difficult. Let's show that this is not something that you necessarily want to put into your body. Um, and it's all kinds of products, right? It's not just cigarettes. Like there's there's cloves, there's um, there's vaping. And, there, you know, and that's something that in our first conversation that I was really surprised about that vaping is actually way worse than smoking yeah. a regular cigarette. Yes, it's definitely changed. And the thing is, is now we've had 50, 60 years to study the effects of cigarette smoke, combustible cigarettes. Mm -hmm. We don't know the full effects around vaping and what that's going to do to you. And the people that are using those products now are the guinea pigs. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know, as you mentioned, tobacco has been around forever. The Mayans and Aztecs would use it in ceremonies and things like that. And it wasn't until... Uh, Pierre Lorillard in the 1800s formed the very first big tobacco company, which started in New York, and he would manufacture cigars, cigarettes, and things like that. So that's kind of where big tobacco started. But it, I would say the early 2000s, big tobacco saw a major decline of tobacco usage, cigarette smoking, the people were not buying cigarettes like they were. Mm -hmm. So big tobacco was like, what are we going to do to get these older generation hooked again, what can we do to put out something that, you know, maybe we'll market it and say that it's just water vapor, you know, not as bad as cigarettes. And that's when they came up with vaping. So vaping hit the market in around 2008 and they came out with a product that looked identical to a cigarette and it was called Sigalite. I remember that because it would it had a little light on the end. It did. It did have that little blue light and you would smoke it. And once you were done with it, you throw it away. So it was disposable. So they started getting that older generation hooked again. Well, then they realized, you know, well, we've got to get this younger generation hooked too. What can we produce similar to the vaping products? And they started coming out with ones that look like a pen and they came in different colors and they could be refillable, reusable. And they started to get the younger generation hooked again. A step further, they want the real young generation, they want youth that aren't even old enough to buy these products hooked. So they started coming out with jewels and enjoys and Sorens, making them Whoa, really- Those two sweet. terms, enjoys yes. and Sorens, what are those? Sorens. So those are different types of vaping products okay. and they are sleeker, they're easy to conceal, they come in different colors. You can, um, they have like rechargeable pods that you can buy at the store. So you don't have to throw it away. You can keep the product, but replace the pod with a new nicotine tobacco flavor. So they started to get youth hooked again. And I know last time we talked about the nicotine content in these devices. And I can touch on that again, just so that you understand the significance and how addictive these vaping devices are. Yeah. So a normal cigarette, combustible cigarette has anywhere from eight to 20 milligrams of nicotine in it. But your body is only absorbing one to two milligrams at a time because most of it is burning away. But with these products, the vaping products, 
Take a Juul pod, for instance, that's 59 milligrams of nicotine in one Juul pod. So that's 220 puffs, that's equivalent to an entire pack of cigarettes. However, you're not, you're not wasting any of it because it doesn't, um, when it detects that the user is taking a drag, that is when it vaporizes the e-juice and you're able to inhale. So you're getting that, that entire amount of nicotine, 59 milligrams of nicotine within that pod, not wasting any of it. So that's why we're seeing such a rise in these product usage because there's a high addictive amount of nicotine in them mm. and pe people, kids, they're getting hooked immediately. Is there a difference between the, uh, uh, the burn of the cigarette, um, like inhaling that, that thicker smoke and the vaping? Cause that's the thing that sort of seems to be confusing in the, in this marketing that they, that, that big tobacco does is like the vaping is a cleaner a cleaner uh uh smoke and it doesn't hurt your lungs as much is that true so here's here's the thing there's two kinds of nicotine there's nicotine mm -hmm. salts and there's two kinds of devices mm -hmm. so there is a tank or a modified device those are the larger devices that you'd buy at a vape shop and purchase vape juice for they have a harsher hit to it, similar to a, a regular combustible cigarette. So it makes your throat burn, makes your eyes water, mm -hmm. and it's similar to smoking just a combustible cigarette. Well, they also have a product that has, um, like the Juul Pod, for instance. Yeah. They have what's called benzoic acid in them. The benzoic acid numbs your throat and your sinuses, so you don't feel that harshness, and there's a much smoother hit. So it depends on what product you're using, but yes, it makes it seem like, you know, this, I don't feel a thing. I'm just tasting all these delicious flavors. And right. it, in a sense, in, you know, if you just tried a regular cigarette and you go to a Juul pod, you're going to see that there's a huge difference. It's a much smoother hit. There's nothing telling you like, this isn't good. My body doesn't like this. It's all numb. So it, it's very easy to get addicted. And right. it's very easy to take a drag off of these and think that nothing's wrong with it. And it's interesting because you're going back to your original point of like, these are the guinea pigs that are going to probably develop some level of health uh, issues later in life because we don't know the full effects of vaping. But something that maybe, I, I don't know if I could correlate this and, and maybe, I don't know if I'm right on this. So I, I, back in college, if I tried like uh, a light cigarette, and then I tried like a marble red, it would like make me sick because it was the, the concentration of the, the strength of it was so much. But I feel like that would be the same if, even if I tried vaping because it'd be like, you're getting so much that you're, you said that heart rate would go up, like yes. the way your body's going to react to 59 milligrams, a full pack in one sitting is extreme. Absolutely. And you, if you think about what that feeling is when you take a drag like if you've never smoked or vaped in your life and you take that drag you almost get that buzzed sensation so you might feel a little dizzy or lightheaded but it, it immediately that dopamine rush in your brain makes it like wow like euphoric mm -hmm. and again it's also going to have that horrible effect where you're going to need more and more to have that same feeling of euphoria once you take that hit. So definitely, um, you know, comparing the two, thinking about cigarettes and thinking about vaping devices, you 
you know what cigarettes are going to do and you're not so sure about what vaping devices are going to do, but you are feeling that instantaneous like dopamine rush. Mm -hmm. And it takes about seven to 10 seconds to hit the brain. Um, once you breathe it in, it goes into your bloodstream and goes to your brain. And then you start to feel that, you know, buzzed feeling. But again, when you're having, when you're using these products that have benzoic acid in them, you're not realizing like, you know, exactly what you're getting. You're not, um, you're not getting that harshness. You're not getting, you know, your eyes watering, your nostrils, your throat burning. You're not feeling all of that sensation when you're using these vaping products. And it's not like we can't sort of guess on what the consequences of vaping will be. What, what At this point, if you were a lifelong smoker, like my dad, air traffic controller, has tried to quit multiple times, used a nicotine patch, never can really kick it, just smokes like a chimney. Right. You know, the long-term effect of what he's going to deal with, what are, the, what are like the top three things that most people usually suffer from after a lifetime of smoking? Certainly. So there are a couple things that I can mention, some studies that have come out around vaping. Um, there are, um, right before the pandemic hit, there was a ton of news reports of kids being hospitalized, young adults having to be put on ventilators uh, from something that. called e-volley. Yeah. Yeah. So they were keeping track of the this e-cigarette related lung injury. And um Basically, up until the pandemic, there had been 63 deaths and over 2,800 cases of hospitalizations mm -hmm. from Evoli. And what they were linking it to was this thing called vitamin E acetate that was located in the vaping devices and was produced by vaping. Mm -hmm. So when you look at what's in a vaping device, two of the main chemicals, there's propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin. Now, vegetable glycerin is derived from vegetable fats. Um, it's in pharmaceuticals. It's in our food. Mm -hmm. Propylene glycol is, an al is alcohol. It's a solvent. So both of those are main ingredients in vaping devices, along with water, flavoring, nicotine. Mm -hmm. Now, both of those chemicals are safe by the FDA to ingest orally. However, they are not safe to vaporize and breathe into your lungs. Mm -hmm. So there was um, a study that was done by the New England Journal of Science that came out that did 17 lung biopsies on someone that was diagnosed with Ebola. What it showed is that it looked like someone had been exposed to either a chemical spill or mustard gas. Like that was the severity of the damage that was done to their lungs wow. from using these devices. Yeah. And there's also, have you ever heard of popcorn lung? No. So I would say probably- it sounds before, terrible. <laughs> usually I, I'll ask youth, like, do you know why they call it popcorn lung? And they say, oh, because it looks like popcorn in your lungs. Well, it, it kind of does. And that's the number one answer I get, but that's not why it's called popcorn lung. So mm -hmm. it's actually, the medical term is bronchiolitis obliterans, and it's tiny air sacs that form in your lungs. And it is not curable. The only cure is a lung transplant. But the reason that they call it popcorn lung is because they use a chemical in these flavored products called diacetyl. Diacetyl is a creamy, buttery substance. And it was actually used in popcorn manufacturing to create microwave popcorn. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened was the factory workers were getting sick from breathing in the diacetyl 
and they stopped using it. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, these vaping devices that are creamy and buttery and have these like amazing flavors mm-hmm. have diacetyl in them. So that's what's that's why they coined it popcorn lung. But again, like this is just something else that people are, you know, experiencing yeah. because they're using these devices. And that's kind of the interesting thing, because cigarettes don't have all of these different ingredients usually. Like there are some flavored cigarettes or, you know, cloves have a little something different. But um you know, you're not looking at all of these special things to make it taste right and numb you and all this stuff that you're finding in the, va- in the vaping. And like you said, like, yeah, it might be okay to eat this, but you're burning it and breathing in the smoke. Right. And so if you, if you really think about the chemicals that are in a lit cigarette, there's over 7,000, but it's things like acetone and um, formaldehyde and arsenic. These are the chemicals that are produced from a lit cigarette. So we know, obviously, acetone is used in nail polish remover. Arsenic is rat poison. Formaldehyde is used to embalm bodies. So it's pretty disgusting when you think about the chemicals. And when they came out with vaping devices, they're like, okay, so we're going to target this. It's just water. It's just flavored water. Like, it can't be bad for you. But think of you, if you're breathing water into your lungs, what is that? That is pneumonia. Yeah, you're (laughs) drowning. That will result in pneumonia. So, you know, they may want to market it like, oh, it doesn't have all these harsh chemicals, but it has all these other horrible things and it's causing all these other horrible things to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so uh, I kind of get into the weeds there a bit because I think understanding what what people are smoking, what people are ingesting or inhaling into their body uh, is very important because... Most people just start into it because of being in stressful situations. Obviously, a person who's going to be sitting on the front lines or at a, a forward operating base or something in, in high stress situations might need something that they think they need. Uh, and then that continues post-service into their civilian life. Um, but these are, it's still a trigger. It's still something that may, and they may not have the military uh, war zone triggers that cause the need or the want to smoke. But Transferring back to civilian life, there are different things that are going to still, uh, as we talked about in previous episode about like PTSD, like a, a, a guy might walk out of his college and be looking around for roadside bombs or people on roofs and things like that, that sort of like get them uh, in that fight or flight mode where they feel like, okay, well, I used cigarettes to sort of cope with this uh, while I was in the military. So what does uh, Tobacco-Free Adagio Health, uh, what do you do to sort of uh, find something like you said, uh, tr- like transfer stress or uh, change what the the uh, what they need or what they uh, what they're going to use to deal to cope with that. Sure. So it's all situational. It's all um, you know client dependent. What mm-hmm. they're going through, we want to identify what their triggers are and try to figure out how can we get over those barriers. So, like I mentioned earlier, one of my triggers was driving in the car. So, yeah. I tried to think of other things to keep myself busy while I was in the car. Now, if it's driving a certain way to work or school, maybe you drive a different way. If it's, you know, you would take a smoke break, um, maybe you take uh, take a break, but maybe you go in a, a different direction or take a walk or walk around the building. Bring an apple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and again, with that hand and mouth um, 
connection that people usually get. Yeah. Pop in a hard candy or, you know, if you are using nicotine replacement therapy, maybe that's the time you pop in your gum or your lozenge. Sometimes, depending on the amount of nicotine someone is using, they may need the patch and the gum or the patch and the lozenge. So it all depends on how addicted they are, how much nicotine they're consuming in a day. But we always make it specific to the person and we always try to overcome those barriers depending on what the triggers are. Can you get addicted to nicotine replacement therapy? Can you get addicted to the gum or the lozenge? So it definitely has happened before. I did have one instance where I met um, a lady whose husband had been using nicotine gum for 10 years and just didn't see anything wrong with it and was just like, you know what? It's better than me smoking. And that does happen. Now, when we are going through our sessions with clients, we like to do what we call titrate down. So if someone is using the strongest milligram patch, which is a 21 milligram patch, we would generally only allow them to be on that for a month's time. And then we would go down to a 14 milligram patch and then down to a seven milligram patch. We try to um, assess the situation, what they're using, how much nicotine they're using so that we can map it out to where the nicotine replacement therapy is just combating the withdrawal symptoms, that they're not overdoing it and getting more nicotine than they were in the first place. So that's very important as well. Uh, so a question about the patch, if a cigarette has eight to 20 milligrams and you're only inhaling one to two milligrams, but the vaping is like 59 milligrams if you go through the full canister, um, if you're wearing a patch, how much are you absorbing over a certain amount of time with that patch on, how long so do you, you wear it? So it's a 24 hour patch. Okay. So you would, it is time released. So a little bit would come out at a time. And within that 21 or the 24 hours, you're getting the 21 milligrams of nicotine. So if they are using vaping devices and they are getting higher amounts of nicotine, then maybe we have to substitute in the gum and the lozenge you know, throughout the day when that time release on the patch isn't as strong as it normally would be. Mm -hmm. So that is also an option. But there are other options out there that do not have nicotine at all. They just play on the receptors of the brain and mimic what nicotine would do to the brain and combat withdrawal symptoms that way. So there are prescription options that you can talk to your doctor about. Um, there, it used to be Chantex on the market. They had to pull that off but there is another one called Varsenaclean that is on there. It is actually a generic version of Chantex. And again, it doesn't have any nicotine in it. It just plays on the receptors of the brain. Hmm. And to explain it, um, how it was explained to me, it's like opening a door where you're getting a ton of nicotine and this medicine basically starts to close the door little by little, but not enough to where you are getting that overwhelming withdrawal symptoms. You're mm -hmm. still getting that effects of nicotine, but it's just slowly closing on it. And then when you finish out the medication, you don't want it anymore. So right. there's been a lot of successful people that have used that prescription and continued with their quit journey. I would imagine that some of the smokers would be like, I don't want to quit because I don't want to go through withdrawal. How sure. difficult is withdrawal and what type of symptoms can you expect? Certainly. So with quitting, you're going to see 
positive things immediately. So within 10 minutes, your blood oxygen levels are gonna return to normal. Um, within 48 hours, your taste buds are going to change. So fatty foods and chocolatey, sugary foods are all gonna taste how they are intended to taste because when you smoke and use these products, it actually hinders that with you being able to taste things the way they were intended. So you do see positive effects immediately. But if you are quitting cold turkey and you're not using nicotine replacement therapy to help with those withdrawal symptoms, you are going to be very irritable. You are going to think that you are losing your mind. And basically you can, it can be described as if you are super dehydrated and your brain is telling you, you need water, you need it. That is exactly what your brain is going to tell you when you're going through withdrawal symptoms, you need it. It is something that if you don't have it, you're going to die. You need it now. Like that is how powerful this addiction is. And, you know, I know we're talking about when we were younger and, and, and things like that. And I can tell you that when I was in health class, you know, in middle school, they always told us that marijuana is the gateway drug. And as I've gotten older and I've done my research and learned about nicotine and tobacco, I truly believe that nicotine is the gateway drug to other things. And the addiction is so strong. It's similar to a heroin addiction. Mm. So you're going to be irritable. You're going to be coughing up that gunk that is stuck in your lungs, probably for two to three months. Mm -hmm. So it may seem like it's going to get worse before it gets better. But if you are quit smoking for, I would say eight months, your lungs are going to be completely clear. Our bodies are amazing. Our lungs especially can heal themselves. So if you haven't done that permanent damage, they will regenerate tissue. They will heal themselves and they will push all that gunk out. You will cough up that stuff for months. Mm -hmm. But within 10 years of being a non-smoker, your chances of lung cancer drop to that of a non-smoker. So mm -hmm. that's really great. So it's good to quit early. Absolutely. Um can you lead me through any of the other programs that Tobacco Free does you help? You have classes? And you have a popular quit line we always talk about, 1-800-QUIT-NOW? Yes. So we're always promoting the quit line. There are counselors that can give you counseling sessions over the phone, through text message, through email. They also provide free nicotine replacement therapy that they will send directly to your home for up to eight weeks. As long as you continue in contact with them with the counseling sessions, they require five counseling sessions. Mm -hmm. Now, you can contact um, Tobacco Free Adagio Health and be connected with um, one of my staff or myself. We can go through cessation classes with you. We can help you get nicotine replacement therapy. We offer it at our medical offices in the Southwest region. So we have one in Beaver County, Butler County, Indiana County, Westmoreland County, and Fayette County is where our medical offices are located in the Southwest. We house nicotine replacement therapy there as well. We also have a partnership with Giant Eagle Pharmacy. So if you attend our cessation classes and you want help paying for that nicotine replacement therapy, we can set you up with a prescription through Giant Eagle to pay for that as well. So we definitely offer the classes, the free nicotine replacement therapy. Some other things that we work on is policy. So businesses, whether it be worksite policies, um, you may have seen our signs, it's Young Lungs at Play for parks and recreational outdoor areas mm -hmm. to try to protect people from secondhand smoke. 
Um, so we do policy updates. We can also provide worksite cessation classes as well. Um, so all of this is free. If you know, if you work for an organization or you want to provide quitline uh, material, you can contact myself. I will mail it out to you. All of it again for free, just to kind of promote the quitline, mm -hmm. promote our services. Um, so any questions or anything, please feel free to reach out. Would someone need need insurance to do this? No, no. So especially with our medical offices, we are a nonprofit organization. We have a primar primarily focused on women's health, but we don't turn anyone away. We serve the underinsured and uninsured, um, and it's not just nicotine tobacco services. So our, our medical offices provide all kinds of care, whether it be uh, family planning or screening. We are the WIC provider in five counties. Um, we also offer vaccinations and things like that. So if you do not have insurance, or someone you know and your family does not, we will figure it out. We will cover it. And when you get connected with a counselor, do you stay with that particular counselor throughout your time with uh, Adagio Health? Yes. So um, it would be one of our staff members that would contact you, set up a time to meet for cessation. We can do virtual. We can do in person. We can do over the phone if you're not, you know, you know, high tech with the computers and Zooms and, and things like that. Anything that we have to do to adjust and to accommodate your schedule, we will do. Smoking and quitting using nicotine tobacco products is not an easy journey. We want to be there to support you and give you all the resources necessary so that you, you don't quit our classes and that you do quit using the products. Awesome. Uh, and I want to take, uh, I, didn't, I forgot about this question, was demographics. What do you see is the highest demographics uh, male 35 to 45 that, that are currently smoking? Certainly. Well, within the military, especially, males are definitely the higher tobacco users, um, just whether it's uh, active duty or veterans. Mm -hmm. One and five vets are using tobacco products. So that's mm -hmm. a pretty high number. And, mm -hmm. you know, of course, there's a bunch of underlying things that that we already addressed about stressors and things like that and coping mechanisms that can certainly uh, understand that number. Um, and then as we mentioned, uh, veterans or active duty members that are deployed, they are at a much higher risk um, of using these products. Also, cigarettes are actually the highest um, uh, tobacco product that is used among military. So, you know, even knowing all those horrible things about cigarettes and, and hearing what's exactly in them, those are actually the most popular among military. So what about civilians? So um, we are seeing, uh, it depends on the product um, and what demographic we're looking at. If you want to talk about mental behavioral health, 44% uh, of people with a mental behavioral health diagnosis are smoking cigarettes. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously that's uh, all genders. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with youth right now, we're seeing more than one in four youth are using vaping devices. It is over 2.5 million users with wow. uh, throughout the U.S. teenagers, mm -hmm. unfortunately, and 46% of that 2.5 million are daily users. So that's where we're definitely seeing there's an addiction going on. Mm -hmm. um, usually, I would say over 40, we're probably seeing more uh, tobacco, combustible cigarette users. 
um, than vaping devices. I would say youth and young adult kind of tend uh, to go towards the vaping. I can tell you in rural populations, we're seeing a lot of smokeless tobacco use. Um, and that is something absorbed directly through the skin. So you are receiving all of that nicotine instantly. And that's something where you'll also start to feel dizzy. You could feel like you're going to throw up. You may pass out because of the amount of nicotine you're getting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it depends on the demographic. It depends on the product. But we're definitely seeing a bunch of different things throughout. And one thing we didn't mention, as if there weren't more than enough reasons to quit, uh, the expense of it. What what would an average smoker spend per week, per month, you know, per year on cigarettes if they were, Certainly. you know, addicted? Yeah, if you're a pack a day smoker, um, you're probably going to spend upwards of three thousand dollars a year um, on a pack a day. Mm -hmm. um, depending on the brand, depending on again the product, if you're jumping to vaping devices. Um, mm -hmm. It depends on how many of those pods that you go through. Pod Sometimes, um, you know, people will go through two to three pods a week. Mm -hmm. um, so that's pretty serious. And again, with the nicotine content, that's, that's outrageous. Um, but yeah, they're always raising the prices because they want to get that money. Um, and with the master settlement agreement that went into effect in the late 90s, that was a big lawsuit against big tobacco companies. It was 48 states that entered into that lawsuit. And basically, so that states are not suing big tobacco companies, big tobacco is paying out prevention funding to those states. Mm -hmm. So the quit line is funded through it. Um, say, that's kind of our... like, sorry to interrupt, that's kind of like gambling quit line, isn't it? In a way? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very similar. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I mean, big tobacco is they're raking in the bucks and they're definitely spending a bunch on prevention efforts as well. Interesting. It's uh, and what two states were not a part of that lawsuit? I mean, come on. Um, I believe Florida was not. Um, and I want to say I know it's a Western, a Midwestern state. I can't remember, but I know Florida was involved in that because yeah. they have a different um, prevention program that they do down oh. there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, this all sounds uh, uh, very interesting. I hope any of our audience who who might be considering quitting smoking or are smokers and just say, you know what, I would like to live longer, <laughs> be healthier, uh, will certainly call one eight hundred quit now. Is that the is that the number? That's the number. Easy to remember. I always say that whenever I'm talking about tobacco free Adagio health. It's like the easiest number to remember. One eight hundred quit now. Um, and they'll be connected with someone and can start on this sort of path of uh, finding different ways of coping mechanisms or finding ways to uh, also just cope with the withdrawal symptoms. And, uh, and uh, you know, if you're going through, what did you call it? Uh, nicotine replacement therapy. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, you would, if you would say what's your number one nicotine replacement therapy that people try and do, what what is it? I would say the patch is probably the most popular. Um you know, I have heard sometimes it gives people nightmares or weird dreams. So mm -hmm. they might have to take it off at night and reapply it in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but that is probably the most popular one um, that is requested most often. Okay. Um, well, Diana, this has been very informative. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Was there anything that we didn't cover? 
I don't believe so. I just want to thank all the veterans out there, active military for your service. Um, you know, everything that you guys do. I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and thank you all for everything that you do. And thank you so much, Sean, for having me again. Thank you for supporting the VBC. Uh, this episode will come out a bit after our next in-person breakfast, we'll, which will be in Beaver County. And you're going to be here in person to, to see the veterans and the kids interacting, which I'm super excited about. Um, but otherwise, to our audience, please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. You can reach out to me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org with any questions, or if you'd like to be connected with Diana, um, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, and I hope to have you on again, Diana, to, to chat a bit more about this. It's been very informative, like I said, and uh, I, I'm hoping that a lot of people take part in the programs. Thank you so much, Sean. I will be happy to come back anytime. Wonderful. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for watching this episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'd like to take a moment to thank both of our sponsors, the first being DND Metal Recycling and Auto Salvage. They began as a small hauling and used auto parts operation in the Pittsburgh area in the late 1970s, but they've grown into a full-service metal recycling company with two locations, Lawrenceville and Tarentum. D&D accepts all types of metal, both ferrous and non-ferrous, that may be generated by industrial manufacturing, construction and demolition, small commercial entities, as well as individual customers. They have a wide variety of material handling equipment and are capable of managing any type of job in a timely and efficient manner. You can contact them for quotes and availability at D&D, that's D&D Auto Salvage. Dot com. Uh, thank you so much to DND. Uh, they've been a sponsor for quite some time, and we really appreciate their support. Uh, the second being Tobacco Free Adagio Health. They are dedicated to reducing and preventing tobacco use and to getting the word out about the hazards of smoking and secondhand smoke. They're all about health. So they want people to quit, and they have classes and nicotine replacement therapy and a popular quit line, which is the easiest number to remember ever 1 800 quit now. They also educate people, children especially, about tobacco use from cigarettes, cigars, pipes, chew, snuff, and other nicotine products like vaping. Finally, Tobacco-Free Adagio Health advocates for public and private policies that ensure healthy places to live, work, and play. You can learn all of what Tobacco-Free Adagio Health offers at tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org, or you can watch our recent episode with Tobacco-Free Adagio Health on the Scuttlebutt, uh, where they talk about a lot of the programs that they offer for those who are looking to quit. Thank you to both of our sponsors for their continued support of the Scuttlebutt podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks.